1: Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. A uh, a bit of a throwback here as we're recording in the hallway of our our newsroom. Our our publisher has commandeered our our usual recording studio, and you know what? He signs our checks, so that's what he gets to do. Fair enough. We're out here in the hall recording this episode as we uh, look ahead to some of the marquee games coming up in Week 5 of high school football season. And that starts with our Game of the Week, gentlemen. A very lively turnout (laughs) on the poll on our website. At starlocalmedia.com. Big thanks to everybody who went to our website to vote this week. Uh, Devin, they're back. <laughs> yes, they uh, are. With a vengeance. <laughs> The, uh, the, sexy, uh, the Sexy Mustangs and that, uh, that, that rabid fan base, many a, uh, a Game of the Week winner in years past. And sure enough, it is their big game Thursday night, 7 o'clock at Williams Stadium against Garland. That takes the cake. And they, uh, they gained a nice little measure of distance in the voting on this one. So, uh, yes. The, is there a name for that fan base, like the Stang Gang? Mustang, Mustang Nation. Mustang is, Nation. Everybody's yeah. got a nation. Everybody's got a nation. Yeah. But Mustang <laughs> Nation was in full force for this one. So, let's talk about it. This is a big game. In District 96A, uh, a very, very compelling game. I'm not sure where this ranked at the at the start of the season as far as your kind of your games to watch within the district. It's certainly one that's got a little bit of it's that's built up a little bit of anticipation though, especially after last week with what Garling did did against and Forest. Um, so let's um, let's talk about first off just kind of how these two teams got to, got to this point. We can start with the team that uh, you guys are both familiar with because you guys have both seen them in person. That being Saxy. Mm-hmm. I have not seen them, so I'm just going to sit back and let you guys kind of <laughs> wax philosophical on what Saxey brings to the table. Um, you know, Devin just um, – I obviously, they've been, the, they've been the gold standard in the Garton ISD football for the past few years. So um, is, that, uh, is that still the case with Sachse? What is kind of the read on what the Mustangs have shown early on this season?
2: You know, they had um... – they, they weren't expected to have as many questions as they, as they did. If you look at last year's uh, returning players, you, you know, you think, oh, Saxby's in really good shape, particularly on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as, you know, as we talked about in, the, in weeks past, I mean, the transfers just seem to, you know, every year it's it seems to be more and more.
1: It's a carousel. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and, and so you look at uh, you know, their leading uh, passer last year, Parker Wells, is now at Allen. Uh, they're Pl- leading playing
1: defense at Allen. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Um, they're leading rusher, Sean Coleman, who you know, rushed for 1,250 mm-hmm. yards, uh, is now at Dallas Christian and tearing things up at Dallas Christian, as as one might expect at the private school level with a a player of his caliber. Uh, Jay Fair and Jordan Neighbors, two of their top receivers, are not two of the top receivers at Rockwall Heath, who is putting up all sorts of crazy numbers. So you go from Saxie having all these proven commodities to having question marks at, at, at the skilled positions. Um, you know, so, so, you know, coming into the season, you didn't know how that was going to, you know, how that was going to play out. Uh, but you figure, you know, what comes around goes around. So you have a lot of transfers out. you you got of do one in return. Yeah. And they got one with Alex Orgai, the, the quarterback, who started at Rockwell his freshman year, played last year at Bishop Dunn, um, and came on strong. You know, David, you got to see him at his debut two weeks ago. Very uh, impressive. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that um, is still trying to find his way. You know, he had a lot of open receivers. And granted, this is a sexy team that's only played twice. For sure. They played two weeks ago against uh, against Coppell, and then I you know I saw him last week against North Garland uh but you know I think him and his receivers are still trying to get on the same page he's got a great arm uh but just was just a little out of sync uh last week that being said, he's still throwing for 411 yards and three touchdowns, but it's really with his legs that he, he he's just dazzling back there. I mean, yeah. he just is he, – he can make a, a play out of nothing. I mean, he's rushed for 303 yards in two games, so he's averaging 150. That's uh, pretty good. Five, yeah, 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 five touchdowns. for a quarterback. He, yeah, th- three touchdowns on the ground uh, last week against <laughs> North Carolina. It's just one of, It's just effortless. You know, he could just get to the edge. You know, and we, we were laughing about it, you know, the other day just off, you know, talking about Kyler Murray, even at the professional level, how quickly he gets that edge oh, yeah. and just gets – Around pro defenses, well, you know, Alex Ovechkin is kind of the same in a high school level. Just a way he can he can accelerate, and nobody else can catch up with him. So. That's obviously a key piece that's developed for them. Uh, the running game is solid. Brian Okoye was the backup to Sean Coleman last year. Uh, he's done a solid job. Corey Jones had a 45-yard touchdown run uh, last year, uh, last week, I should say. Uh, so they got a, a solid one-two punch um, in the backfield as far as running backs go. And they've had some guys step up on the outside. Uh, Jaden Hunter it, it leads the team with 10 catches. Uh, Elijah Ames, uh, Jet Creel had four catches last week. Uh, so the skill positions are kind of coming together. They, they've got a solid offensive line. So, you know, offensively, that's kind of where Sag- He's been, you know, they've been one of the prolific offenses in the area in past years. they so not to that point yet, but the potential is certainly there.
1: You know, David, you got to see this team in person in their first game against a Capel team. That granted, Capel already had a game under their belt at the time, and you know whether that uh, played into the into the eventual outcome of that game. It's still a competitive game. It looked like it was fairly back and forth between the Cowboys and the Mustangs. But speaking strictly from what you recall and watching Saxi, what was kind of the first thing that jumped out uh, when you think back to that game?
3: Uh, explosive plays. Yeah. Uh, Just in the first quarter, they had, like, first half, I think they had, like, two touchdowns of at least 70 yards in that game. Like, uh, I think it was, like, the first play from scrimmage. Um, uh, Alex Orgy, uh, I think uh, he scrambled for, like, uh, one touchdown. He was running around to his left, did the little option, then he just took off. Like, bam, touchdown, seven to nothing right there in in favor of Sachse. And then later in the first half, uh, you know, Capel was trying to account for – Or Orgai's speed right there, and then he just took a couple steps to his left, and everybody thought he was going to run. Boom, hits a wide-open receiver right there. So just, you know, know, that option right there, attack gives them so many different options as far as, like, explosive play. So very impressive with that. Um, They did have their chances to, uh, you know – build on a lead right there They were a few times there in the first half mm-hmm. um capel did kind of you know make some adjustments in half and you know kind of limited them there in the second half and including that uh, capel also had a pick sex that kind of you know slowed them down a little bit but you know even till the end they even fought till the end of the game right there especially with all the moving pieces that they had they had a chance to win there at the end of the game right there so that just shows you that this is a team that's not, not going to go down without a yeah. fight
1: In other words, you had a team like Saxie that really came into the season with far more question marks than they anticipated. It's kind of been the opposite for Garland. That's a team that had a lot of continuity working in its favor, and it sounds like that's been the case in recent years with them, with kind of what this program once was. I mean, it's not too long ago that they were one and nine. You know, 2018, just one and six in district. But then, you know, they've they've kind of grown up together. You know, last you know last season was an improvement, three and seven, one and six, and now this season they've already matched their win total from last season with a three and zero start, two and zero in district play, and then I think last week against Neiman Force was kind of the uh, maybe the first big kind of statement as far as this team maybe arriving as a potential playoff team in um, in nine, 6 a Because you know it was one thing in their in their first couple of games you beat up on Richardson, you beat up on North Garland but to do so against a Naaman forest team that I think they might have actually been, I don't have my, you know, anything in front of me, but I think I actually saw some polls picking them to win that district at the start of the season. And that's, I mean, granted, it's kind of a a fool's errand to pick any team just to outright win that district, given what we saw last year in um, in the Garland ISD district. But, you know, for Garland to already make a statement like that and to do so in a fashion that's kind of like Lovejoy last week, where, again, you were scoring so effortlessly those first two weeks, and then you run into a team that, Offers a bit of resistance. Got to work through some uncomfortable spots, and I mean, this was a Garland team that was shut out through three quarters, and then they were able to finally get things going there with 14 points in the fourth quarter, including the game-winning touchdown from uh, from Sergio Perez to uh, to Jordan Hudson, with I believe what was it, seven seconds left, was mm-hmm. when the uh, well, when they took the lead on uh, on Name Forest. So it's um yeah, just to just to show that you can win a game that's played outside your comfort zone, and um to do so against a playoff-caliber team like Naaman Forrest, Forest, it's um it's a nice kind of kind of a character-building. Moment, kind of a milestone moment for a team that still had still been learning how to win high stakes varsity games, and um, just the kind of performance that you can really kind of draw upon going forward. Um, you know, like I said, they got a lot of continuity though. You know, Sergio Perez, a quarterback, is this his third year as the starter? Has he been there since a freshman?
2: No, he is, okay. He was yeah, a sophomore. yeah. In fact, I was going to say, um, I think it was in, You know, running around in GIC circles, uh, I think it was during the Saxey Garland game. Really? Uh, when Saxey was beating them seventy-four to nine, and I uh, think people up in the press box, they said that middle school group that's going to Garland. If they all go to Garland, that group's going to be good. The next year, Sachse is winning forty-nine nothing. This is a, they, that freshman group at Garland. Keep an eye on them, and certainly they all came up last year. Um, they all basically stepped into starting roles. And, um, you know, took some lumps but learned a lot of lessons mm-hmm. as well. And you mentioned, I mean, you know, Sergio Perez has, has been, you know, 765 yards and 11 touchdowns oh, yeah. in, in three games. You know, Jay Sean Powers, you know, Jordan Hudson you mentioned is a wide receiver, Ellis Rogers, Charles Allen. All those guys are juniors. And that's – I mean, that's just really – they've come up, again, through middle school. They came up. They played together as freshmen. And – um you know these guys know each other. They they know their talents, and they're now they're building confidence. And, and like you say, that, that game last week against Name and Forest was was huge because that's a very solid, well coached Name Team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it was a playoff team a year ago, and um, I you know I, I saw some people kind of picking them. I think them and Saxi had a few votes as well, um, like usual. But uh, you know, I, I still think that that Name Forest team is is a, is a playoff team for sure, and. Um, I mean, that, that win goes a long, long way in terms of, in terms of possible tiebreakers and, and just confidence. And, you know, it's in, we, we talk about the skill guys. Their defense is oh, the yeah. same way. And you know, look at Keelan Smith and Geber Durant and Aaron King. Guess what they have in common also? All juniors. Yeah. I mean that's just what they what they are. And their defense, you know, they held Damon Forrest at seven points last week. Mm-hmm. They shut out North Garland the week before. The opener against Richardson, it was forty eight to twenty eight, but that's kind of a misleading deal. They gave up two hundred and seventy yards to Richardson. They had a couple turnovers and Richardson had a defensive score. So their defense has really been solid from the start. So that's gonna be a really interesting matchup to see how they can try to contain Saxon.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned with the defense, it's not just the fact that it's a lot of juniors, but the guys that are all leading them in statistical categories, they're three leading tackers, like you mentioned, all juniors. The two players that have interceptions for them this season: Christian Cooper, Demarion Wigginton, both juniors. Uh, King, Chase Biddle—they have, have a combined nine passes defense, Both juniors. It's—I mean—it's insane just how—I mean—you just wonder what the potential of this team is next season. But obviously, right now, though, it's a chance in front of them to make a bit of a statement against what's been the bell cow team in Garland ISD football, and that's kind of where I—I I mean, I just—just just some numbers on what Saxey has done against Garland ISD in recent years, because this is—I mean—I mean, it's—it's mean, impressive. It's so impressive, just the role that they've been on. You look back to, you know, kind of the twenty sixteen season, as far as when they kind of turned that corner, as far as becoming the, uh, you know, the Gisd football superpower. Um, since then, they've gone twenty five and zero against Garland ISD. Now they had the, the district loss last year to Wiley by one point, but we're not talking about Wiley; we're talking about <laughs> Garland ISD. And you look at the margin of victory in doing so, and across those twenty five games, the average margin of victory against Garland ISD opponents twenty nine point two points. And, I mean, it was – I mean, that, that margin of victory was 34.7 if you're looking strictly from 2016 through 2018. Now, they came back to the pack a little bit last season. You know, GISD offered a little bit more resistance, a lot of one-score games, just an 11.8 margin of victory. Ironically enough, that um, th- that number's the only reason that number is uh, – is as high as it is, is because of their game against Garland.
2: Well, I was, was, I was going to say, who's felt the brunt of that? Yeah. Because of the last four scores, oh,
1: yeah. 56-10, 74-9, 49-0, 47-14. Yeah. So it's, I mean, even last year when they were still having to scrape by a lot of teams in that district, they still had their way with the Owls. So just, uh, I guess, time to see just how much has uh, changed in a year's time with that continuity and that experience that, uh, that Garland has on its side. What is, um, just at the surface, Devin, what's the most compelling thing about this matchup to you?
2: I, I want to see if, if – we've seen Garland click on all cylinders yeah. uh, with that continuity that we talked about on offense. I want to see if Saxie can get to that same level. This is their third game. Uh, this is the first time playing it back-to-back weeks. Uh, you know, I mentioned that the, the offense just seemed a, a touch out of sync, but the potential is there. I mean, they had open receivers. Alex Orgel, like I say, has got a great arm. He's got good touch when he needs to throw. I want to see if the Saxie offense can start clicking on all cylinders because mm-hmm. if they're not – it's going to be dangerous because it, Garland is. I think. I, I think they are, are in midseason form despite all the distractions, despite Absolutely. all the, the postponements. They've got an extra game under their belt. They've been playing week to week, and they've shown uh, that consistency on offense that Saxey hasn't quite uh, gotten there yet. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing for me because if Saxey's clicking, I think they win this game.
1: What is? I mean, we've talked a bit about um, just the you know just the moving pieces on offense. What um, what is Saxey's defense kind of shown early on this season?
2: Uh, you know, in the opener, they played a, a very talented top. offense. Um, Last week, uh, they were, their front seven was impressive. I mean, Gavin Portillo, uh, Tecovi and Burnley, Albion Krasnicki. I mean, these guys, anytime North Carolina tried to run between the tackles, they went nowhere. In fact, they finished with minus six yards rushing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a couple of those were you know, bad snaps that contribute to the yardage. Sure. But then again, there was a couple of, of you know, 10, 12-yard gains in garbage time as well. Uh, they allowed 123 yards overall. And, and no one's going to, you know, mistake this year's North Garland offense as a juggernaut, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. But, they, you know, they have some talent. Uh, but I was just really impressed with their front seven um, and what they were able to do. So, you know, if they could take away – Jay Sean powers in the running game for Garland and make Sergio Perez throw the ball. I mean, that that could be a mistake because he's throwing, he's, you know, that, that wide receiving talent, you know, core is is good. And he, and he's, he's, he's been really accurate uh, in spreading the ball around. You know, they got four receivers, I think with at least 10 catches, um, but, uh, you know, if, if they can take away the ground game, I think that really lends to their advantage.
1: Yeah, because with the receiving course, not just Hudson, Ellis Rogers, Charles Allen, all those players being juniors, but they also had, One a, tra- senior. <laughs> yeah, they had a transfer um, from John Paul II, Shantae Nettles, hmm. who was actually a, a pretty key piece in that team's run to the uh, state championship game last year. I had no idea that he was at Garland. And then <laughs> looking over, i like, I recognize that name. Of course, how could you not recognize the name Shantae Nettles? And- yeah. He, um, yeah, but he's you know carved out a nice little, uh, nice little role for him. So, um, so David, let's talk uh, predictions, man. So, where are you, uh, where are you kind of leaning on this one? We've talked about Saxie Garland setting the stage for this big matchup Thursday. Where are you leaning as far as who gets the W?
3: Oh man, I have just got a lot of information in the last two minutes to make my prediction from you guys right did you, here.
1: Did you not make a prediction? Oh, man, I did pick a line already. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to send it to you by six o'clock <laughs> okay. last night.
3: Uh, I am just, just the like the 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 right, just the. 25 games in a row that they've won over Garland yeah, IST. So to I think that's more history. I think that gets into maybe the like you know the, maybe the Garland IST teams heads a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take Saxby by maybe a
1: touchdown. You do wonder if there is some sort of a, I don't know, Devin, do you get the sense that there's some sort of aura that surrounds Saxie on the football field? Obviously, last year, you know, they obviously looked much more mortal than normal. But, you know, when you've had a school that's kind of lorded over a, a group of teams for, uh, you know, for several years, I feel like sometimes that can become a mental thing.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know if Saxie quite has that mystique. It's
1: not quite Allen versus Plano ISD? Well, yeah,
2: like like a Garland, for instance, yeah. had for something because, you know, they had a state title. I mean, mm. now it's, it's been years and years and years. But, you know, when you've had that little success, that tends to carry over as, as opposed to just uh, they won the district last year, mm-hmm. but then they got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. Um, I do think just because they all grow up and because all these, you know, with Garland, I see being choice of school. Some of these kids yeah. go to school and then they separate and go to different high schools. Um, so I, I, th- I think they have a bit, I mean, I don't think it's a, a straight intimidation factor, um, but they certainly know, you know, that Saxey is the team to beat. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we mentioned the past results for Garland as, as you know, motivation right there. Wow. Um, But, uh, you know, I don't think Scarlett's going to be intimidated. Uh, I think this comes down to – I don't think it's going to be a a high-scoring – you know, like we've seen some of the Saxie-Ratlet games. You know, you look at some of the Saxie's uh, close games last year. They're 24-20, 17-14. Yeah. You know, that range kind of score. That's kind of how I'm viewing this game. I do think Saxie does enough to get it done. I think they want to win a 24-20 type game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Kind of like you were saying, David. It's just it's tough to ignore just the role that they've been on against GISD in recent years. And with Garland, a team that is certainly making strides. I've You know, I've said it a lot in the past. Like, when you have a case like this, I just need to see it happen first before I'm willing yeah. to go all in and believe in, the, in that team to beat an upper echelon program that's so established and so proven to the caliber of Saxe. So until given reason to believe otherwise, I mean, I'm just hardwired to never pick against Saxe in any district game, given what they've done the past four years. And um, not going to start now. So, yeah, give me the Mustangs as well. So we are, uh, we are unanimous in picking Saxe to top Garland in our game of the week. Once again, this one is Thursday, 7 o'clock out at Williams Stadium, you're going to be there, Devin. Should, I will be there. Should be a fun one. So let's, um, before we get out of here, let's talk about some of the other games that were up for consideration for our uh, our Game of the Week poll. Um, let's see. We can start on. Um, we can start over in District Five, Five A Division One. A Thursday game. Another Thursday game. This one is going to be at a Toyota Stadium. A battle of District unbeaten's as Frisco Wakeland welcomes Big Bad Denton Ryan.
3: <laughs> oh man, the
1: number one team in the state comes to Collin and uh, Denton Ryan playing its uh, its first game since the uh, you know the initially was going to be forfeitures. Now it's not going to be no contest. You wonder how um how much uh, piss and vinegar they're going to be playing with on uh, on Thursday against Wakeland. But um, nevertheless the Obviously a tall, tall order for a Wakeland team that's been strong to begin the season. Uh, no one's really been able to slow down that offense, but if there is a defense that is more than capable of doing so, it is certainly that of the number one team in Class 5A Division I. Um, David, where are you leaning on this one?
3: Ooh man. Frisco Wakelands had an unbelievable start to the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 4-0 for the first time since 2017. And they've been dominant, like, you know, in their in their four games so far, they've won every game by at least twenty eight points right there. Wow! Including including the comeback last year, last week when they were actually down fourteen to three to the Colony, and mm-hmm. they came back to win that game by by forty five to thirteen. <laughs> but like Denton Ryan, it's probably one of the best, if not maybe the best defense in the state right yeah. there with Billy Bowman, Jatavian Sandys right there, and you also got this sophomore kid named inside linebacker named Anthony Hill Jr. Okay, he's only a sophomore, but but taking like. For, for this season, right there, for only three games, he's had 11 tackles for loss. That's
1: pretty. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. good
3: yes. Yeah. And he's and he's like I said, he's only a sophomore, but he already has 18 Division one offers. Mm-hmm. And for this season, right there, like Ryan's defense, right there, they've had through three games, they've had 25 tackles for loss. So it's it, I, th- I think it's going to be a little bit hard for Wakeland's offense mm-hmm. to get on track against a. a stud defense like that with all the talent that they have on there um even though jared white's had a really good season so far nine touchdowns and uh 560 yards and peyton lewis has done his thing at quarterback with uh, almost 800 passing yards it's it's, it's going to be hard to really get on, on track against a Ryan team that has a lot of, like has a pretty big chip on its shoulder against against the Frisco ISD. So
1: Yeah, with Ryan, I mean just you look at week two, what they did against Denton Guyer, which for my money, that's, I mean, that's as good as an offense as they'll see all season. They win that game 23-20, to so they were able to shut down what's, I mean, Frisco Wakeland is a really, really good offense by District five five eight Division one standards. Denton Guyer is a great offense by just Texas high school <laughs> football standards, mm-hmm. and Ryan was able to make them look pretty human. I mean, they've shown that they have the ability to shut down elite offenses, and I think that continues on Thursday as well. So give me the Ryan Raiders to get it done against Wakeland.
2: Well, and we've talked about the defense, though. I mean, Wakeland's given up 37 points in four games. Yeah. If I set the over under at thirty seven points for the Ryan offense to score, what would you take?
1: Uh, give me. Give because me all because, the, because
2: that offense is is, is loaded too. I, yeah, I, I really like Wakeland. I really like the the, the start they've gotten off to. But I, you know, I just I. I mean, you
3: got Seth Seth Hennigan, who's a quarter. He's going to Memphis next year. Senior. Too, it's
1: so much Division one yeah. talent on that team. Yeah. Yeah, they're on a mission that I think they get it done. So, yes, we are unanimous in picking Ryan to stay unbeaten and get the win over Wakeland in 5 uh, 5 a Division One action. we got a busy week on 6-6-A this uh, starting up on, uh, on Friday. And this um, obviously has a, a big game out in Flower Mound, the Mound Showdown. We get the Mound Showdown to begin district play. How about that? This one, <laughs> the annual meeting between Marcus and Flower Mound. This one is Friday, 7 o'clock at a Neil Wilson Stadium. This has traditionally been a game that's been very, very high scoring. It's been very, very closely contested. Um, I believe, what is it, three of the past four meetings have been decided by seven points or less. Um, you know, both teams, though, a bit of a, di- at least in Flower Mound's case, had much different identity than usual. Well, I mean, in years past, it's always been just offense, 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 and what they had in recent years with Blake Short and Pierce Hudgens and Reed Touchstone, and just all the uh, the firepower they had on offense. Now that's you know they only had two starters coming back on that side of the ball, but there's obviously talent still there. Even before he made his first ever varsity start, Nick Evers already had like four or five Division one offers on the table. I mean, so there's obviously you know plenty of uh, encouragement as far as what he could become as far as quarterback prospect goes. Um, you know, they've been a little a little slow out of the gates trying to find their footing on offense but fortunately they've had a defense that's been um, just among the uh, among the best in the district right now um, led up front by Stone Eby, SMU commit Colton Vatney um, you know they've got a I mean they've held a, they held McKinney Boyd they shut out McKinney Boyd essentially the only points that they allowed there was a defensive touchdown and then they only lost 18 to 13 to a state-ranked Mansfield Timberview team so their defense has shown well against you know against um, at least in the you know Timberview's case a solid offense now Marcus is uh, is as good an offense as you'll find in district to 6 a especially when it comes to moving the ball through the year with Garrett Nussmeyer, you know LSU commit, then his top receiver Cal commit, J. Michael Sturdivant, Dallas Dudley, a really really promising junior for them. Um, so it's you know Marcus has a little bit more continuity working in its favor. Their defense has also been pretty solid as well. So I don't think this is going to look the same as recent iterations of that uh, of that rivalry have. Um, who knows? Maybe that's just the uh, the rivalry juices are enough to really kind of crank up that Flamont offense to the uh, to the levels that we've seen them perform at in the past. But for now though, I mean heck, I picked Marcus to win the district. You know, at the start of the year, and I'm uh, obviously not ready to go back on that in their first district ball game. So I'm taking the Marauders to get the win over Flower Mound. Devin, where'd you lean on this?
2: I took I, I the same way. I, I went I went with Marcus. I just think they have too much firepower. Yeah. Um, you know, Flower Mound defense is, like you say, has been impressive. Um, you know, held Damon force in nine points as well. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they've scored 10, 29, 13. In three weeks and i just don't think that's enough against marcus
1: we were unanimous as well in this one all of us picking marcus to beat flower mound in the annual mound showdown to kick off district 668 action we uh let's see we pivot back to frisco isd this game friday seven o'clock at the ford center at the star this was almost our game of the week <laughs> a very a while, very once, spirited huh? charge by the two fan bases in this matchup frisco and lebanon trail um Big one for Lebanon Trail. It's a it's a chance to uh, you know kind of in the sense of a uh, kind of a, a little bit like Saxe and Garland in a way with the you know the the more established top dog in this matchup, Frisco High, the, uh, the defending co district champion, and Lebanon Trail, a program that obviously obviously Garland has quite a few more years under their <laughs> <of> football program.
2: <laughs> Just a hundred.
1: Lebanon you know. Trail. But as far as the recent trajectory with our program, that you know started off you know its its trajectory on a, on a low note, but has really been kind of working itself back up into being a potential playoff contender. Uh, Lebanon Trail is. Uh, what four and zero to begin the season? First time in school uh, history, and um, you know, doing some uh, doing some great work there. But as far as what this matchup means, it's a chance for Frisco to, uh, you know, I guess to, to to further assert its status as the as the team to beat in seven five a division two. I mean, the role they've been on to start the year. I mean, they're what number five, number six in the state right now. Number five, number five, and it's just, I mean, I can't remember the last time that Frisco had a team that was this highly touted, you know, during the uh, during the season, a team with legitimate state championship aspirations. And Lebanon Trail, though, I mean, they've they've had some. Quality victories this season, you know, beating Corsicana, solid. You know, the uh, the the the, uh, the heroics against Memorial, solid. Um, this one feels like maybe just a little bit too much for them um, for what they've shown so far. So I leaned uh, Frisco in this one personally to stay uh, to stay unbeaten, continue their march towards a potential district championship. Um, you know, Devin, you um, you know, you do a lot of Frisco for us. So I'm um, just talk a bit about this matchup and what sticks out and where you're leaning on this one.
2: You know, I, Lebanon Trail obviously is playing with a lot of confidence. But like you say, they ha, had they been here before, no. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every step they take is a first-time experience for them almost. And uh, certainly beating Frisco would be a huge feather in their cap and, and huge in terms of confidence. Um, but it's, it's just so hard to see. I mean, you know, th- their ground game has been exceptional over at Lebanon Trail with Greg with Hatley and Barker Maui. You know, they're, those guys have rushed for over 500 yards between the two of them. Drew Martin, their quarterback, has done a good job throwing the ball, can also move the ball with his legs. Mm. It's just so hard to see them moving the ball against Frisco effectively because that Frisco, I mean, we've talked about independence before oh, the season yeah. started, being a team that's a capable of scoring averaging 15 points a game. They held them to 14 in the <laughs> Then They followed that up by shutting out Reedy. And they hold Lake Dallas to three points. So they've given up 17 points in three games. Um, they have eight takeaways and 15 sacks in those three games. It's just, you know, and you look, and it's not just one guy. They got, you know, eight guys with double-digit tackles, um, several different guys with interception. It's just, you know, up and down. I just think that they're going to be able to limit Lebanon Trail. Um, but that is the matchup I'm good to see. If Lebanon Trail is able to, you know, establish a ground game, then and, and then I think this could be a really, really close game. But – If Frisco takes that away like they've done against everybody else, I I just think they, between that defense and they have enough weapons on offense that they're going to, you know, maybe a 10, 14 point win.
1: David, you in line uh, with us? You rolling with Frisco as well? I'm in line with that, not only with their
3: defense, but the way, like, Frisco just methodically moves the ball. I mean, Lebanon Trail is not going to have, like, too many possessions in this game because I'm, I'm pretty sure Frisco is going to have, like, you know, like a, like a few, like, you know, big runs in this game mm-hmm. because uh, Lebanon Trail, they gave up, like, you know, quite a few uh, big uh, plays to, like, Dallas last week. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure, you know, Le- Frisco is going to be able to can- control the clock with their offense, you know, maybe get, like, you know, some methodical drives and hit the quick one every now and then. So they're going to control their clock right there. Uh, I feel like Lebanon Trail might, you know, put up a couple of touchdowns again. Them, especially early on is like both teams try to get a feel for each other. But Frisco, like both sides of the ball, they're able to, the way they're able to control their clock with their wing T offense, and just like how stacked they are with their defense. I mean, just look at the way they 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 controlled the line of scrimmage against uh, against Frisco Independence right mm-hmm. there, and just held Braylon Braxton in his tracks right there. Oh yeah, a guy who threw for over three thousand yards last year and limited them to fourteen points. So I feel like you know it might be a close game for a while, but I feel like Frisco is just going to win this game at least a couple touchdowns.
1: Lots of unanimity on the uh, on the podcast so far as, yes, we are all in concert and picking Frisco to top Lebanon Trail. We do, are, we do veer off a little bit, though, for this last game as we, uh, as we now close things out with a look at a matchup Friday, 7.30 p.m., out at the Forrester Athletic Complex in Dallas as Mesquite takes on Skyline in District 10-6A action. Devin, uh, Mesquite is straight out of your wheelhouse. So, um, yeah, just talk a bit about this matchup, what stands out, and where um, where do you ultimately lean on this one?
2: Yeah, this is a it's an interesting game. I mean, these are two. This is the district opener, uh, but these are two new district rivals. Uh, yeah. Skyline actually being added to the uh, Mosquito ISD, Rockwall ISD, Fray uh, with the departure of Longview. Uh, Skyline's had, you know, tremendous success over the years. Um, I think it was, you know, 24. I think. I, did a different story I think 24 of the last 25 years they've made the playoffs mm-hmm. hasn't always been pretty and it has, hasn't always been in the toughest district so um, but when you kind of look at how that district's laid out with Rockwell and Rockwall Heath and how are you going to keep up with those two offenses uh, and Tyler Legacy with a, a really nice resume they put together through the first uh, month of the season even though we don't see a lot of them locally until they get in district play so you know they're kind of pe- you know, pegged as a playoff team so that kind of leaves one spot up for those mm-hmm. other teams if, if you're to believe that now, yeah. anything can happen for sure um, But if that's the way it plays out, then this game, even though it's the opener, could be huge because that could be something in six weeks we go back and say, hey, that's the difference between Mesquite or Skyline making the playoffs. Now, granted, Horn's going to have something to say about that as well. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, Mesquite's off to an 0-3 start. But it's somewhat deceiving. You know, Their the last two games uh, that they've lost to uh, South Grand Prairie and Grand Prairie have been by a combined six points. I think that uh, the thing for Mesquite is the issue with quarterback. They entered the season with a – they're, they're basically rotating uh, Hunter Nucci and Chance Edwards. Uh, Chance Edwards kind of took over that role against South Grand Prairie uh, and, and played really well, threw for 250 yards, uh, but then was hurt and then didn't play. And Hunter Nucci took all the snaps last – or two weeks ago, I should say, against Grand Prairie. Uh, did a solid job, but they both bring a little bit different to the table uh, – um interesting to see I've not heard Anything on Chance Edwards in terms of he's going to be able to go this week, uh, I do think he brings a little bit different dimension um, into that game. Outside of that, uh, you know, the Mesquite offense has had periods where they've looked really good and, and periods where they haven't. Uh, that goes back to, you know, against Coppell and South Grand Prairie. Uh, I do like when I had a chance to see him a few weeks ago, Anthony Roberts, the running back, I think has done a really nice job kind of taking over that lead role. He's coming up a 100-yard game uh, in his last uh, last outing. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, their defense has been solid. Uh, skyline, you know they, they were on their way. I, I kind of wrote them off on you know just by following on Twitter. Ah, oh, they're getting they're getting beat, and all of a sudden they come out of nowhere and we're able to rally past. I guess Keller last yeah. last week. Um, you know, just going over there. You know, Jalen Robinson throws three touchdown passes. Uh, Quayland Farmer, just going by the numbers, seems to be a very solid running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, R.J. Bonner. I did see his name as far as the uh, wide receivers go. A transfer from Mesquite, yep. um, and so. You mean know, skyline always says have talent at the skill positions uh you know i this this game's going to be close i yeah. mean i just i tend and you seem to do this with certain staffs. You know, Jeff Lehner and that staff at Mesquite, they, send, they tend to find a way to win games, close games. And once you kind of have that reputation, that kind of is the, when you're flipping a coin on a game like this, you kind of lean toward the, the team that you know the coaching staff. You know, I don't know the Skyline coaching staff. I do know the Mesquite coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's going to be a close game, but I do think Mesquite finds a way to win.
1: David, you picked Mesquite as well. Um, I was the one that veered off the, uh, <laughs> the tracks, though. And you know what? It's, again, I don't have any sort of inside track as far as what Skyline brings to the the table in this matchup, I just kind of like the way that they're playing right now. It's just as simple as looking last week and just the resilience they showed coming back against a Keller team that I think is a playoff team, at least out of that district. Um, and then, you know, even though they lost to Mesquite, you were actually at that game, David. Um, I still think that's a respectable... Yeah, yeah. I still think that the um, yeah yeah sorry I said Mesquite stupid me um, you know it's just they it's still a respectable showing against a Mesquite team that I think is also a playoff team out of five, six, eight. and that plays a really really good uh, plays a really really solid defense so I don't really you know think that's any sort of knock against them that they weren't able to get that done especially in their what was it their first game of the season
2: uh, I think did they hit Lancaster first
1: I don't think that did no, that game, game got, canceled. I don't think that it, got canceled that game got COVIDed I think
2: COVIDed yes yeah
1: so um but More nevertheless though, I don't know I just kind of like the rhythm that they're in and just the confidence that they had, that they might be uh, you know have that they might have coming off of that performance against Keller. And, Yeah, you know what? I think it'll be a close game as well. But give me the uh, give me the scooters by I don't know like one to three points. I think it'll be a, a competitive one right down to the wire. So uh, yes, that is a look at um kind of where we're at as far as the other marquee games in our coverage area. We can close this out with a look at um what else was on the docket for the picket line. Just a quick summation of the rest of our uh, of our picks as I try to load this up. Let's see here. There was um let's see of the ten games at stake we were um, we were unanimous on eight of them as you've already kind of got a hint right from. We were obviously unanimous on Marcus over Flower Mound. Frisco over Lebanon Trail. We're all picking Frisco Independence to beat Frisco Reedy um, as Independence searches for its first win of the season. Um, like I said, we've just talked about Mesquite and Skyline. These two are going Mesquite. I'm going Skyline. Um, then you also have the rivalry between Mesquite Horn and North Mesquite. We we're all in consensus there and picking Horn to beat North in that matchup. Got a couple 6 matchups in addition to the mound showdown on the docket. A couple Plano ISD versus Louisville ISD matchups. Plano East versus Hebron. We're all going Hebron. Plano versus Capel. We're all going Capel. Um, let's see, then Rowlett finally gets its season under the way. <laughs> Rowlett making its, uh, I mean, the, the, the season is already like a month old, essentially, and they will finally play their first game of the season. They square off against North Garland on Thursday. Despite the uh, the unorthodox way that their season has unfolded, at this point, we still think the Eagles are going to get the win. We're all picking Rowlett to beat North Garland. And um, yes, we've touched on our game of the week. We're all in concert picking Saxe to beat Garland. And then we have another matchup in 5-5-8 Division I, the Colony versus First Centennial. David you and I think the colony get it done. Devin thinks Centennial gets it done. So uh, right. we will see. As far as the uh, the picket line standings, for anyone who gives a uh, gives a rip about that, David, you are 24 and 13 in third place. Devin, you are 25 and 12 in second place, and I am 26 and 11. So still a uh, lot to be decided there. As far as who comes away with the picket line championship at Star Local Media. Um, so yes, guys, that is a look at at least some of the uh, the big games in our coverage here. As far as the games we will actually be at front and center in person this week. Uh, Devin, what does your coverage schedule look like?
2: Well, I will be at the uh, voter-suggested voter a g- a game of the week, uh, Gar- Saxe and Garland, on Thursday. Uh, obviously, big. We just, we've just we talked about that already. And then uh, a game you just mentioned a second ago, Horn and North Mesquite, uh, cross town Rivalry at Mesquite Memorial Stadium, uh, Friday night at 730.
1: David, how about you?
3: Thursday, I'm going to be at Toyota Stadium for Denton Ryan at Frisco Wakeland and then Friday I'm going to be at the Colony to go cover Frisco Centennial at the Colony. Mm-hmm. Actually, wait, it's the other way around. It's, a, it's at uh, Memorial Stadium. i got the venues back up. <laughs>
1: make sure you don't go to Tommy Briggs. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'll go up there and nobody <laughs> show up. The lights are off. I'm like, wait, what happened here? Yeah. Then I'll have to make you U-turn to pay more tolls. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Don't want but that that. That's a, okay, now uh, it's at Memorial Stadium. I can confirm that.
1: <laughs> I will be, uh, let's see, I'll be double dipping into District 66A. Thursday I'll be out at uh, Clark Stadium in Plano for the opener between, the district opener between Plano West and Louisville. And then Friday, I'll be going to the other venue for Plano ISD, Kimbrough Stadium, to watch Plano East for the first time this season as they take on Hebron. So, yes, that is a look at what is on our docket this week, and that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to recap all the fascinating happenings for Week 5. And until then, folks, you take care. We will talk to you all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community?